I'm Matt Castillo here with Chip Murphy and Danny Small and another episode of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. And uh, guys, the Knicks are five and three. The best start through an eight-game stretch since 2012-2013. It has been a long time since we, we've had a, well, I shouldn't say a good start because a few years back we've had a decent start before and then things went way downhill right around January uh but five and three several upset wins in this stretch including beating Indiana beating Utah beating Milwaukee uh it it, it has been beautiful basketball to watch a lot of exciting uh things going on and we talked about that in our last episode of just having fun enjoying watching the first few games and since last week that it's continued on through they're playing really well. Um, Julius Randle is playing out of his mind. He's going to be a big focal point of the podcast here today. Uh, you know, we'll, I think we got to give him praise for how well he's played. Uh, there's some other things that we were talking about before going on here that I'm sure many might have a problem with us saying, but it is something that's worth keeping an eye on. So we'll get into that here in just a second. Um, before I go into that, though, guys, you know, I wanted to talk about uh, just the play of Julius Randle so far this season. You know, last week we kind of hinted on it. He was playing well, but it was our first few games. Right. And it was like, oh, he's playing very well. Like he's kind of making us feel bad about some of the things that we said about him, knowing that it's still a few games in. And even right now, it's still just a few games in, eight games in. But he's continuing to play well. It looks, it feels different from last season. So I'm going to start with you here, Chip. Uh, you know, as me and you both were kind of questioning, is this guy should be in the starting rotation? Is he that fit for us? And um, now I don't want him to leave the court. That's how well he's playing. So Chip, t- talk to us a little bit about uh, Randall and his play this season. He's been incredible. You know, he's looked like an all-star everyone's talking, we're pushing the Julius Randle all-star narrative, 23 points a game right now, 12 rebounds, 7.4 assists, leads the team in all three categories. He's been a leader this year. You know, he was asked to, we've talked about it a million times. He was asked to do too much last year. They did not put him in a position to succeed. And Tibbs has put him in a position to succeed, something he can do. He's been in a great role for him and he's thriving in that role. You know, he's just been he's just been great. And it's not just on the offensive end, on the defensive end, too. He's really stepped up his play there. You know, last year we saw him quit a lot on defense, and he really hasn't done that. And I think that's got to be attributed to Tibbs and that coaching staff because he's bought in completely to Tibbs. We've seen how pro Tibbs he is on the court. And he, that's just shown with his, not just with his scoring too. I mean, he's been a much more willing passer. Yeah. Uh, obviously he was criticized by us and the rest of Nick's mm-hmm. fans on Twitter. 
his uh, seeming unwillingness to pass to RJ Barrett. <laughs> that yep. hasn't been an issue this year. We've seen him and Barrett develop a chemistry uh, outside of just him and Alfred Payton. There's, there's been a clear uh, development there between him and RJ Barrett. And that's been great to see, you know, me and Danny were just talking about how before the season started, we all wanted Julius Randall traded. Yeah. And now I I've never seen like a, a bigger 180 with Knicks fans than I have with Julius Randall. It's shocking. And the guy has just, you have to take your hat off to him because he's turned himself into such a different player and it is just eight games, but we've seen such dramatic changes. It's hard to believe that he won't stay this kind of player because he did have this talent, this passing talent in him and this ability to play off ball and this ability to change the game this way. There's so much talent that he showed in new Orleans that we thought he'd show last year that he didn't because he, like I said, wasn't put in a position to succeed and he's playing like an all-star and, you know, like I said, leading the team in all the major categories. And he's just been most importantly, he's been a leader for this team and he's led the team to a five and three record. He's outplayed uh, Giannis. He's outplayed Rudy Gobert. He's outplayed Sabonis, man. He really got in Sabonis's head and he didn't even play well against uh, the Pacers on offense, but he really played great defense against Sabonis. Right. I was so impressed. He got in Sabonis's head, and Sabonis has been a notorious Knicks killer. Yeah, he's just killed us. And he got in Sabonis's head, and after that first game where Sabonis was great, as usual, and it was just really impressive to watch him there. And in the Utah game, where, uh, again, he was brutal in the first half offensively, it was impressive to see him come out in the second half and just be great. Yeah, And his defense didn't waver. And that's something that you feel like would have happened last year where, you know, he would have just kind of threw in the towel after having a bad first half offensively, which is something that would have happened to a lot of the guys on the team. They would have quit. And it just shows it's a lot about Tibbs. You know, this is a different team. This is a team that doesn't quit after a bad half. They went into halftime. They listened to what the coach said. They bought into it and they came out with a hell of a game plan and they beat the Utah Jazz. They beat a fucking Western Conference playoff team. It was an impressive win. That was a really good win. And look, they just look like legit. And I, I don't, I'm scared to say playoff team, but right now they're playing like a team that can get to the playoffs on their defense. Uh, their lack of a consistent score outside of Randall still worries me. But, man, Randall's playing like a guy who can carry a team to a playoffs in the week east. That's how good he's been. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'll I'll go with one point, and then after that I'm going to piggyback off of some of what Chip was saying because I think you're spot on with, with a lot of what you're saying about Randall. Um, the one thing I will say is that I remember Tibbs, a couple people, um, maybe it was a couple assistant coaches, a couple other players, but coming into training camp, the word on Randall was he really came in in shape like he was he was ready to go like he he was in you know that that cliche of he's in the best shape of his life coming into camp that you hear from so many so many people about so many guys coming into camps every year any sport like it's just such a cliche at this point that oh i'm in the best shape of my life but you can see randall clearly is um he's playing out of his mind he's playing big minutes which we'll get into later 
Um, and then just to piggyback off of some of Chip's points, I think this is the same player that Julius Randle was last year, but the coaching staff is figured out how to use him. You know, like I don't think I don't think over the offseason, even you know, the long offseason that Randall had, I you know, clearly his shot isn't that much more improved um you know he's his handle is about the same you know all of his technical skills i'm sure he's made small improvements here and there but he's by and large he's a pretty much the same player that he was last year he didn't add anything huge to his game that made you kind of change like wow i can't believe randall's added you know x to his game but the coaching staff is now a coaching staff that understands how to get the most out of their guys. And that's what you're seeing with Randall. Um, and then just to touch on another point that you made chip. And I think this goes for a few guys on the team, uh, which again is a good sign for the coaches. Um, but when Randall's not playing well offensively, he's, you know, maybe turning the ball over a little bit. He's missing some shots. Things aren't going his way. He still stays completely engaged in every other facet of the game. He's still playing, staying engaged on defense. I mean, you know, defense isn't perfect, but you know, it's, he's, he's playing well enough there, um, but he's staying engaged on defense. And if his shot's not falling, he does a good job distributing for his teammates. If his shot is falling, he does a good job of not necessarily forcing it too much. So I think a lot of what we're seeing from Randall this year just has to do with like, you know, this cliche culture change, you know, it's like an overall culture change with the whole team. Um, you know, Randall is buying clearly buying into what Tibbs is selling. Uh, Macri said it after the game yesterday, and I definitely agree with him. That was the happiest Julius Randall I've ever seen in a post game of ever, ever. I mean, not <clears throat> I'm not going to sit here and say I, I remember watching any of his post games when he was in L.A. or New Orleans or anything like that. But last year to this year, um, I mean, Julius Randall is the, the lowest talker I've ever heard in my life. Uh, you know, in the, in the locker room, you could be standing right next to him and it's hard to hear him because he's such a low talker. But yesterday he was like, he was yelling, he was like boisterous and loud. So um, clearly, you know, they're having a lot of fun. They're enjoying it. And um, I know I don't live and die with the Knicks quite like you guys do, uh, but it's just fun to, it's fun to see a good team that's enjoying themselves. Um, it sucks that the fans can't be there to uh, kind of share in what's going on. But I think, you know, this is probably in the, since I've come on the podcast, this is probably the highest high that we've experienced as, you know, um, you know, Knicks fans, Knicks fan base, the whole thing, this is probably, and unfortunately that's not saying a whole lot because they're five and three. Um, but this is probably like, like as optimistic as, as the Knicks fan base has been since I've started covering the team, maybe, um, which goes back all the way to 2017. You know, and for me, watching the start first off, before I get into Randall, it's one of those things where I'm trying to tell myself, okay, it's only eight games, right? Like they, they, they do, they have a long way to go. They got to continue this. But part of me is having so much fun in these eight games that I'm just every game that comes on, I'm just thinking like, please don't let their hotness in. I just want, I just, just, you know, and it's one of those things where like Chip, you said, you know, you don't want to say playoffs, but they are playing like a team that will have a chance. And one thing that has been impressive for me is guys that could not defend at all. I mean, don't get us wrong. They're not elite defense. Nobody's really out there an elite defender, but they're putting in more effort than I've ever seen 
in the last couple of seasons. And I say this all the time. If you just play hard and compete, you can make up for a lot of things that your basketball team does not have. If you just play hard and compete, you can make up for those things. And that's what I think this team is doing. Trip, you also said the words that they bought in. There's no question that this team is already bought into their coach. And you can kind of see it. They, they, I'm thinking the, the past two games, we've come from double-digit losses or behind in double digits. And I'm thinking the last couple of years, if we were down double digits, this is, this is a team that would just put their tail between their legs and quit and get embarrassed. And, and I would hear them tell me how they have a bunch of dogs on this team. Nope, not, not at all. Not, not one damn dog. Not, not one. And that's the way it's been. This year, they have those dogs. They're, they are not giving up. They're not putting their heads down. They're going. They, they are just – they're competing. They're not getting down on themselves. They're not getting too high on themselves so far. There's still a long way to go. But these eight games have been a lot of fun. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know how many times I yelled bang after Austin Rivers hit some threes last night. Like I was trying to be like Mike Breen throughout. I'm pretty sure I, I scared my fiance one time because it was quiet and I screamed bang really loud. Like I am that I'm that weirdo Burn. right now. That's I, I am that weirdo that's sitting in front of my TV three inches away from it in a defensive stance. I, I, I am. Uh, that's how much I'm getting into these games here and having fun uh, watching them. But, you know, with Randall, he just deserves a lot of credit. You know, this is a long off season and really all of these guys, none of these guys kind of sat around. You could tell they put in work. They were trying to get better uh, and, and good for Randall for the start that he had. And, you know, the other day I was reading Randall's stat line to some people and didn't tell him it was Randall's stat line. And I'm just asking, like, you know, who do you think is averaging these numbers? And people, oh, well, that's that sounds like LeBron's numbers, which LeBron probably has more points per game. But I'm just saying, you know, the assists, the rebounds, you know, people are throwing out some big-name players, and then you tell them it's Julius Randles, and they don't believe it. They don't believe that's how well he's playing. It, it's He's just been – you know, I think it was the Indiana game where you said it, Chip. He didn't have his best efficient game. I really did not shoot well in that first half, but just kept grinding, kept, you know, competing, kept playing hard, had a much better second half, and it was a big reason why we won that game. So he's been unbelievable. Um, you know, it, it's just a team that I think has bought into their coach and his philosophy, his style – they're they're out there playing like that the way that Tibbs wants them to play that coaching staff we've been saying this for a while you know in this long offseason that we have said that for the first time in a long time we feel like this team is actually heading in the right direction they're doing things smartly the coaching staff the people they put in the front office it's finally looking like it's it, it, it it's looking like it's done correctly Right. It's not, we're not scratching our heads going, why the hell do they do this or that? You know, they did everything smart. And it, it's just great to see them playing as hard as they will. And I hope they can keep it up. Um, but transitioning into one well, of our just, other just topics. before, before we transition to the next topic, I'll just throw a little thing in. Um, I do agree with, or hold on. I think, and I'll just, not to rain on anyone's parade or anything like that. I don't think the Knicks are going to keep playing at this level. Like, I don't think they're going to keep beating up on the bucks on the Pacers on the, on the, the jazz. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think that's a crazy opinion. I, I no, think a lot I of people feel you. the same way, 
But I, I want to just point out what you said. We do feel like it's going in the right direction. So even mm-hmm. when there are a few bumps in the road coming up, because I haven't, you know, I haven't looked at the schedule coming up, but I, there's going to be some inevitable bumps in the road with this yes. team. Um, but I think overall, this little stretch here shows you like, okay, the culture is right. Guys are buying in. It seems like we're still moving in the right direction. So just uh, right. we can transition now, but I just I felt like it's, uh, you know, it's worth putting that out because I don't think the Knicks are going to end up going, you know, 52 and, and 20 this year or anything like that. But right. um, I think they're going to be a little bit better than most people expected. No, you're I right. Agree. But who's the competition at the bottom of the East? I mean, the, the Wizards <laughs> stink and the Magic, I mean, I lost faults. Yeah, yeah. I, that's yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I mean, f- their point guards out, and I mean it's gonna be a struggle for them. It was a struggle for them to score before this. So I mean, it would be in their best interest to tank, in my opinion, after losing their starting point guard. But I don't think they will. But that would be the smart move. So I, I just think by virtue of how weak the bottom of the East is, mm-hmm. I, I I do think they have a shot. Yeah. I'm not. A, I I know they played. They've looked decent, but I'm not. I'm still not a big believer in the Hawks. Um, I know Young is phenomenal. Bogdan Bogdanovich is is great, but I still I don't I just I don't think they can play enough defense to to be like a real threat. But we'll see. I could be yeah. wrong about that. And, and you know I agree with you and that I don't think this is going to continue for. That's why I said I kind of sit and watch every game, kind of just holding on to the hope that they're going to keep playing like this magical start they've had eventually they're going to hit a wall. And when they hit that wall, you know, again, that's the thing where, where all I'm asking for is if they still playing hard, if they're still competing and they're still in the game, if they're losing and dropping some of these close games, to me, that means they're still heading in the right direction. They just need to have that process of winning some games. It's a process and it takes some time. And so far they've been able to, to win these games, but this is what kind of transitions to it because we always, we always say, you know, here sometimes some of the criticism that we get is that we can be a little too hard or a little too pessimistic, but we take pride in in basically being real and not just sugarcoating it and tickling your ears to make you feel good about it. You know, when this team is playing like crap, we're go- we're going to let you know they're playing like crap. When this team is playing well like they are now, we're going to give them their props. They're playing well. Um, you know, so we were kind of talking about it like I guess – there really is no negative stuff to get into. And what we're talking about here is not necessarily a negative. It's just something that you should keep your eye on to look to see if it has any impact down the road. And what I mean by that is what we were trying to transition into of Julius Randle and RJ Barrett. If you look right now at the guys that are playing the most minutes in the league, you got Julius Randle playing the number one most minutes and then RJ Barrett's number two. Both those guys are around 38 minutes a night. And it's something that we kind of know with Tom Thibodeau coming in, we knew his best players as starters. He He's going to leave them out there. They're going to play big time minutes. That's something that we talked about when they hired Tom Thibodeau before they even hired Tom Thibodeau. And his name was just mentioned and brought up, you know, we will see these guys playing big minutes. How, how does that impact them? We're already seeing it early on. So it's just interesting to watch, see how it impacts them. And Chip, I'm going to start with you. You look at it, Barrett, you look at Randall, they're out there. 
40 minutes, 44 minutes, some games this season. They are playing big time minutes in some of these wins. Is that something that concerns you uh, later down the road, Chip? Not right now. It doesn't concern me at all because they're winning. And you also need to take into account the amount of injuries the Knicks have had too. Uh, Noel's been banged up. The, you've had Neil Aquina banged up. Burks has been banged up. But at the same time, I don't think that's going to change. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, Randall and Barrett finish 1-2 in minutes per game at the end of the season. I don't think it would surprise anyone, really, if that happened. But uh, they're both young guys. So, you know, Barrett's 20, uh, Randall's 26, I think. So I, I'm really not concerned. I mean, we were talking about how I believe it was Wiggins who finished first in minutes per game uh, during Tibbs' first season in Minnesota. He's going to play his best players a ton of minutes. That's a lot of – clearly uh, Tibbs has shown in his first year in New York that he's willing to change about certain things. But one thing that's never going to change about Tibbs is he's always going to play his best players a ton of minutes. So – and if you look at the minutes per game leaderboard, that's what happens. The best players play a ton of minutes. Uh, Randall and Barrett are first and second. Uh, James Harden is third. Yep. Russell Westbrook's fourth. And Colin Sexton is fifth because Colin Sexton's been really fucking mm-hmm. good. And we were just talking about the Pacers. Sixth and seventh have been uh, our uh, Brogdon and Sabonis, yet playing 37 minutes a game. Same guy on uh, two guys on the same team. So, I, I mean, I think that's kind of how it's considered uh that the best players on the best on the team play the most minutes but uh, i know tibbs is history with uh players and you date that to uh luol dang mm-hmm. Derek rose joe <clears throat> kim noah all those guys had pretty brutal injury histories in their careers and they all had they were all uh dug into the ground by tibbs with his minutes but you also need to take into account all those guys love tibbs and would yeah. run through a wall for him. So, I, I mean, I'm not too bothered by this. Um, I'm really not. They're both young guys. I, I'm not bothered by it. Yeah, I think uh, you made a good point. That's what I same thing I was thinking with the uh, that Bulls team. I mean, you saw they reaped the benefits of you know. I think they went 62 and 20 uh Tibbs first year there if I'm not mistaken or something close to it you know they I were think they got the one seed as first they year, were I yeah they, I mean they 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 lost the heat in five games um so there's that but you had I think Dang Rose and Noah I believe were all three of them were all stars that year obviously um you know they kind of sacrificed some years on the back end for that success um and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and blame Tibbs for Derek Rose's injury or anything like that. Um, but, you know, he's he's like you said, Chip, he's that's one, that's his thing. He's not going to completely change on that. Um, and you hope that as the season goes on, he does a little bit because right now. And I think I mentioned this to you guys in a text or maybe before the show when we were just chatting. But um, right now, the Knicks outside of Austin Rivers, um, everyone else on the Knicks had an eight month off season. So they had the longest off season that they've ever had in their basketball careers since they were probably, you know, since they started playing. So everyone came back fresh this year. I talked about it before. Randall came in best shape of his life and he clearly looks like he's 
he's having no issues playing 40 plus minutes, you know, certain nights. Um, so clearly Tibbs is taking advantage of the fact that some of these guys are in really good shape. They're rested. Um, they're all of them are raring to go because they were off for so long. So Tibbs is clearly taking advantage of that. But you hope that when guys like Burks, uh, Noel, maybe Frank Nilakina, you know, um, couple other guys I'm forgetting because there's just so many injuries but you hope when those guys come back Tibbs kind of extends his rotation a little bit to include you know 10 guys um, and I'm not saying that 10th guy has to play 20 minutes a night this this doesn't have to be those old Popovich Spurs where they had no player averaged over 30 minutes a game you know Tibbs doesn't have to turn into that I think playing Randall 35 to 38 minutes a night isn't a disaster same thing for Barrett um, but I just I don't think it's sustainable to have an eight man rotation where uh, I think quickly yesterday played six minutes. Uh, Knox played about 15 minutes and then six guys ate the rest of the minutes up. That's obviously not sustainable. Um, but as the season goes on, guys are going to get hurt. And that's not anything on Tibbs. That's just the reality of the NBA today. Um, you know, Tibbs hopefully will will kind of ease up a little bit on these six, seven, eight man rotations. But in the meantime, I'm not going to sit here and criticize them. Like I, I was thinking of, um, you know, what to write this week and I'm not going to sit here and, and write the, you know, the, I'm not going to be the, the minutes police as Frank Isola would say, because, you know, it's working. So, you know, I, I feel, I feel like I would not be doing my job criticizing Tibbs, um, you know, when, when things are going well, and am I going to, am I going to sit here and say, this is a travesty that Julius Randle played 40 minutes when, you know, uh, Omari Spellman is sitting on the bench and Dennis Smith Jr. is sitting like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and, and act like, you know, these guys at the, at the very end of the, like Ignis Brasdakis needs to be on the floor. Oh, I'm not going to sit here. And, shit. I'm not going to sit here and that. say, those guys need to be on the court and this is a, Oh, this is the end of the world because so far so good. Uh, when, when it does start backfiring a little bit, um, then I'll, I'll, I'll be the first one to, to bring it up and hammer Tibbs. But for the, in the, like for the time being, just keep, keep, keep rolling. Just keep going with it. Yeah. It, 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 Oh, sorry, yeah. Matt. You're good. Go ahead. Finish your point. Oh, I was just going to say the Toronto Raptors have four guys averaging 35 minutes plus per mm -hmm. game right now. I don't think that's going to last all season long. They're yeah. just in a tough spot right now. It's yeah, eight right. games. It's, you know, it, yeah. It, I, everyone's going to make a big deal of it. And maybe we're making a bigger deal of it than it needs to be because it's just tips. And like, this is the first season he's with the Knicks. So it's like when you see three guys playing over 40 minutes in a game, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But yeah, you know, it is what it is. It's early. It's early. Let's, let's let it play out. Let's just exactly. let's see what happens. And, and for me, you know, it's something like I told you guys, I've been so blind to how many minutes these guys have been playing in the first. I'm just watching the damn games and enjoying them. You know what I mean? Like I did it like until you made a point about mm -hmm. like, they're playing big minutes. I'll be honest. I didn't pay. And it's been on the screen. They show it, you know, during the mm -hmm. game showing up. I, mean, I don't care because <laughs> they're winning. It didn't bother me at all. But then when you stop and you look at it, though, over a course of a season, you know, it, it's, as you said, Danny, it's not going to be sustainable to play, you know, Barrett and Randall, you know, one night, maybe 42 minutes in the game, you know, especially when you have a back-to-back -back or something like that. 
you, I, I, you, you can't do that. You gotta, you got to be smart with, you know, your minute rotation. But at the same time, the reason why it doesn't really bother me right now is like you guys said, one, they're winning. And that's why these guys are out there because they're trying to win the damn basketball game. So you have to put those guys out there that are producing to win it. And like you guys pointed out, we do have some of those injuries to some, you know, important players off our bench right now. So I do think that when those guys get back, you know, 38 minutes might drop a few more minutes. If Randall and Barrett are playing 33, 35 minutes a night, I mean, that's uh, it's that's typical for your, your best key guys. And there's going to be some games where they might go 38, 40 minutes. I, I'm not overly concerned about it right now. I really do think that the big minutes are, are due to the roster being a little depleted right now with guys being out. You know, Neil Keen has been out with the knee injury, um, you know, Burks with the ankle, uh, Toppin with the calf. You know, you got those guys that would maybe, maybe Frank, if quickly keeps playing as well, maybe loses out on some minutes and has some DNPs, um, you know, in there. But Toppin, you expect to get some minutes, uh, you know, as the first round pick for us this year. Uh, and you're definitely going to play Burks because Burks could be that guy again, you know, a month, month or so down the line that you consider trading and, you know, flipping for a pick or something. Maybe if the Knicks are still in it, that changes. But, and right now, the way they're playing makes me think they will be in it or at least in the conversation for it. So it's going to be really interesting to see, do they flip a guy like Burks or do they hang on and try to make the playoffs? You know, uh, part of me thinks that if they're in it, I don't think he's going anywhere, but let's just say if things start to kind of go the way that people thought the Knicks were going to be this year and they're not winning games, you know, you need Burks out there to get minutes to showcase what he can do to, to get his stock up and, and look to trade them that way as well. So when those guys get back, their minutes are going to take away some from Barrett and Randall. So those guys are not going to be playing 38, 39, 40 minutes every single night. Um, there is going to be some nights, though, where you need your best players on the floor and they're, they're going to have to play big minutes. But it's not something that's overly concerning to me right now. You know, there might be – there was a couple of times. The Indiana game, I thought to start it, you know, Randall looked a little sluggish, and I started thinking maybe he's a little tired tonight. You know, he's been doing a lot. I mean, he's been filling up the stat sheets and everything else and then had the great second half and then played great uh, against Utah. So, it, it, you know, you mentioned he's had a long offseason, you know, eight months. These guys are well-rested, haven't played. And like everybody keeps saying, Randall does look slimmer. He does look like he's in great shape as well, like his body can – handle the big minutes as well last year randall wouldn't be able to do this he would be dead by now i'm, I'm serious like you know he looks to be in great condition and i i do laugh because it's so true everybody every season god that guy's the best shape of his life you always hear mm -hmm. that cliche in every single every sport, sport so it doesn't matter like, yeah I, it's so true but i bet in like in like croatian soccer leagues oh yeah when they come into training camp they're like they're like oh yes sasha he's in such great shape <laughs> well yeah i mean baseball you literally run to a base every once in a while you know that this guy's in great shape he could run all day it's like every, every robinson year. cano's in the best shape of yeah. his life <laughs> oh, i wonder why yeah <laughs> that might be a little medication he's taking yeah. but uh <laughs> his vitamins we'll we'll call him that but um you know yeah in all seriousness so randall does look like he's in excellent shape, doesn't look like his body's going to break down from this. 
So I, I do expect these guys to come back and the minutes drop just a little bit, but I, I don't think it's a problematic at all. I don't think it's something to be concerned about. Again, it's just something to look out for. If these guys go through a bad stretch playing well, then you might, like you said, Danny, you might look at their minutes and go, okay, might need to pull back the reins a little bit and give these guys a little bit of, of a breather to kind of catch their breath to get going again, get them a little fresh. But right now it doesn't – it's not a big story. We're not making it into a big story. All we're saying is take a look at it. It may play a bigger role later on down the stretch. None of us are concerned with it right now, though. And I, and like we said, sense. it's a reason why they're playing well now. They, you yeah. know, if, if Randall and Barrett and Robinson aren't playing big minutes in some of these games, the Knicks probably don't win them. So, right. you know, if – would you – would you the question for Knicks fans, would you rather have – RJ Barrett and Julius Randle playing 34 minutes a night each, but the Knicks are three and five right now. I don't right. think any, I don't think any Knicks fan in the world would, would take that trade off. That's right. true. Yeah. I actually don't think their minutes are going to go down when these guys come back from injuries, but I also don't have a problem with that. I think they'll keep playing 38 minutes a night and RJ will probably lead the league in minutes when the, the season ends, but I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I think, I'm like thinking, the only minutes thing that can, I was sorry, Dan. The only minutes ahead, thing yeah. that concerns me is that Reggie Bullock is third in the on the team in minutes right now. That's so, a change. Yeah, yeah. That's, when that's Alec Burks, yeah. Extend when Alec the rotation a little back, bit. Yeah. I, like yeah. I'm not saying you need to exact like necessarily like take down Barrett and Randall like a ton, but just extend the rotation a little bit. Um, you know, nine, ten guys in there instead of you know, I mean for all intents and purposes, it was a seven man rotation, uh, you know, in the, in the jazz win because quickly played one six minute stretch and then mm -hmm. that was it. Yeah. I mean, when Alec Burks comes back, I expect yeah. Reggie Bullock's minutes to significantly mm -hmm. go down. Right. So and Toppin as well should get into the, mm -hmm. mix of yeah, he's obviously yeah, you, your number eight pick in the draft is obviously going to play. Right. Um, so that actually, that might be a reason why Randall's minutes go down. Um, but we shall see because I, I could also see, much. and you know, obviously the Gobert matchup was not the right matchup for Randall. Uh, but I don't hate him as the small ball five on that, like, you know, leading that second unit with Toppin. Um, I don't think that's a terrible choice depending on, you know, it's not going to work against Gobert. It's not going to work against, you know, certain guys like Joel Embiid, who I'm watching mm -hmm. on TV right now. It's not going to work against those guys playing big minutes with Randall going against them, but you can get away with Randall at the small ball five for sure. You know, and as we kind of transition out of that, just a few notes I wanted to make here as well. Uh, you know, that this news came out today that the Knicks actually uh, are releasing Spellman and signing Tosh Gibson back. Uh, just quick thoughts on that. Uh, Danny, I'll start with you. What do you think about the Knicks bringing back Tosh Gibson? I mean, you know, I, I feel feel bad for Spellman just, you know, on a, on a human level because he wasn't really wasn't really in shape to, you know, injury wise to to show what he can do here. Uh, but good to have Taj back him and Mitch. I know just from uh, going to so many practices and games last year, him and Mitch were really close. He was very, very good kind of kind of shoulder for Mitch to to lean on um you know through the tough times and kind of going back to what Chip was saying about that those Bulls teams they love Tibbs Taj loves Tibbs I know um 
forget if it was if it was Macri or Begley last year, but in the locker room talking to Taj one time and I was, you know, one of those where I was I was talking to somebody right next to it, but I overheard it and Macri turned it into a great story about, you know, Taj talking about Tibbs and how um, I forget that, you know, exactly what he was saying, but you could just tell from the way Taj was talking about him that he he couldn't say enough good things about him. So, you know, good to have a good veteran in there. Um, and actually going back to what I was just saying about Gobert, um, you know, Taj isn't what he used to be. He's not quite at that level, but when Noel can't go having Taj as that kind of that, that stop gap, not a bad thing. Um, you have to imagine Randall or, uh, excuse me, you have to imagine Robinson who's had like a couple minor injuries here and there. You have to imagine he might go down once or twice this year for a couple of games. Good to have Taj kind of, uh, kind of as that, that, triple backup because Spellman clearly it just, you know, he couldn't stay on the floor to, uh, to be that guy. Yeah. There were conditioning issues there, I Mm -hmm. guess is the politically correct phrase to use with Spellman. But Mm -hmm. like you said, good to have Taj back. So um, uh, yeah. And the Tibbs connection, it just felt inevitable that he'd be back Mm -hmm. on the team at some point. So yeah, good to have him there. Just makes sense. How, Tidy is with Mitch. Smart move. And me and Danny were talking about the the people who were concerned about Taj taking minutes from young guys need to just chill. Like, like right. it's that's a ridiculous thing to be upset about. And you're just finding reasons mm-hmm. to be upset at this point if you're upset about Taj Gibson being signed and Amari Spellman, who never played, being cut. So, but that's yeah. that's a good thing though. If Knicks fans are yeah. complaining about and they're nitpicking on these these little teeny tiny kind of like like fringe roster moves, if if they're if that's what they have to be upset about, that means everything else must be going pretty well. Uh, and with Tosh going back, when I heard the news, all I, I thought about was young team, veteran player. Obviously, with us last year, why not? You know, it's just good to have that mix of young players and some veterans in there. And, you know, I know Tosh started last year. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think more what he brings again is that other than the mentor role that he can have on a guy like Mitch or something like that, I think sometimes you might go into a game and the energy level just isn't right. So he's a player that you can go off your bench just to kind of spark a little bit of a guy that's going to go out there and play hard and kind of wake some people up type thing. You know, just what what a lot of veterans are on teams and rosters for. Um, So I haven't heard anybody complain about the young guys, uh, you know, losing playing time from him. But um, that is kind of funny because that's that's not going to be the case here. So I was happy that Tosh is back. Um, We didn't really get to see much of Spellman. Uh, anyway, so, you know, I thought, why not? We do need some help, uh, you know, some depth issues. You know, I know Noel has been a little banged up right now, um, you know, but if Mitchell Robertson's foul trouble, we, we really don't have a big man to go to. There's nobody else to throw in there. Um, you can try to play a little bit smaller there. So it gives us a little bit more depth of having, you know, some rim protection, some rebounding. Uh, so overall, happy that Tosh is is going to be back uh, with the Knicks. And with that being said, though, I think we'll come up to our segment of our our last call here. Uh, Anything that we have not touched on that you guys want to make note of before we wrap it up? 
I just want to say that Matt, I do not think you are a maniac for getting in a defensive stance okay, on good. your TV because I don't do it for the Knicks or the Nets or and any NBA team really, um, or any basketball team for that matter. But when the Yankees are in the playoffs, I have the bat and I'm in. <laughs> I'm I'm getting ready and I'm timing up the pitcher and I'm you know I'm I'm getting ready. So you're not crazy. You, you know you're just you're just a fan. I appreciate that, that I got some support there. Now, I look at myself as more as that hype man, that guy that's on the bench that never <laughs> touches the damn floor. I think I'd be pretty good on it. I, I should record myself and see if the Knicks will sign me just to be their hype man, the guy to sit there and just talk junk to the other players and all that and, and hype up my team. I, I'd be pretty good at it. I, I don't know. I think I do a pretty good job for my television. I like to pretend like what I'm doing is hyping them up and distracting the other team. Unfortunately – you might be the backup hype man because they already have Theo Pinson. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so true. That's so true. Yeah, he's he's been gold. But oh, thanks for the backup. I, I feel yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to not trying to kill your dreams here. <laughs> Chip, you got anything you want to add? Only when only when Kevin Knox does something like I'm so surprised when he does something impressive <laughs> that I jump out of off the couch and do something like that. But no, for me, I just, me and Danny were talking about this before we started recording. Uh, by the time this comes out, I hope Deshaun Watson is a jet. How about that? For me, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been I would talking sign up all for day that. with people about that. You know, though, if we do something like that, we're losing all our picks and a lot of our cap space, but the guy is good. I've, I've seen him like up and close, you know, with Clemson being about 40 minutes mm-hmm. from here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a hell of a player, but. There's a lot of question marks with it, but we just want a damn quarterback. That's yeah, that's all we want. Uh, but with that being said, um, I'll wrap it up really quick by saying that that Austin Rivers was unbelievable yesterday. It would have been a standing ovation for him. I mean, the, the guy the guy went nuts in the fourth quarter. There was one time he took a three, and I'm thinking it was one of those things where I'm like, "What the hell are you doing?" And then it went in, and I, you know, like you know how some of the coaches do that, like, "No, no, no, yes, 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 yes." Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did that, but he was just hot, um, and it was just fun to watch somebody else stepping up. That that's that was nice to see that somebody else other than Randall or Barrett, um, you know, Peyton's done it a couple of times this year, but you know, Rivers took control of that game and hit some big buckets down the stretch when we needed it. Uh, so wanted to give him some props. And, Strong um, J.R. Smith vibes. Yeah, uh, last night from Austin Rivers. It it was fun. It was a Very lot of true. fun. That's that's Chip's guy. Yeah, he he was he was brilliant <laughs> last night. A lot of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, he gave me he he made me shout bang a couple of times like Mike Breen. Uh, so give a shout out to Austin Rivers and his playing. That's all I got though. So I think we are all wrapped up. Um, that will do it for our episode of the Next State of Mind podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. 